Open your heart to me. I have all that you need. Allow me to take root within you, and life will begin to grow like a seed. You don't know what I've been through. I've been trampled on all my life. My heart has been hardened, but it's not my fault. I've experienced so much strife. Everywhere I turn, people have hurt me, strangers and those who were close. I've been let down one too many times, even by ones I trusted most. Bad things have happened that I don't deserve. I've been abandoned, abused, and rejected. Don't talk to me about a God unseen. If he's there, he's left me neglected. The way I've been treated, others couldn't even conceive. To talk about a life-giving God, how could I possibly believe? And what about you? Will you open your heart? I have all that you need. Allow me to take root within you and life will begin to grow like a seed. Yes and amen, I agree with your word. There's joy in my heart that is new. Hearing your voice is like a drink of fresh water. I'm so thankful to have finally known you, but if I'm honest, as time has gone by, there are, are trials I did not expect. I, I thought it'd be easy, but your way is hard. I was not ready for what would come next. The people at work, they mock, they laugh. They think I'm self-righteous at best. Even my family rolls their eyes around me. My faith has been put to the test. To live righteous in such a world today, to not cut corners as others do, I feel that I'm swimming against the tide. It's too much. I think I'm through. The condition of our soil matters. It's a powerful video and a reminder of us, for all of us, to remember that really in this parable in Luke chapter 8 that Jesus shares, we're going to dive into today, that it's, it is really about the soil themselves and their response to the gospel for some of you, you may relate really well to the voices of those soils. Maybe it's the hardened soil, maybe it's the soil that's rocky, but <clears throat> the soil type matters, but what also matters is how you got there. You see, for many of us in our lives, there are things that we have done, and there are things that have been done to us out of our control. And that hardened path, that hardened soil, it didn't start that way. It became that way. The rocky soil has a constant tension and a struggle for space competing amongst the rocks so that it can have way for the roots to go deep. I want to look at this passage in Luke chapter 8. You see, last week we opened up this series called Take Root and Today, we're going to dive deeper into the first two soils in this parable. If you got your Bibles, I want you to open them up there in your living room, wherever you are, and track along with us this morning. But in verse 4, it says, And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out 
to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Now we're going to look at these two soil types this morning and hopefully look at it a little differently and maybe shed some light on this this morning and reveal beyond the surface. But first we need to notice the audience in this parable in Luke chapter 8 and the verses leading up to this tell us that Jesus was actually going through cities and villages with his disciples, with the twelve, and that there were some women accompanying with him, and he was sharing the kingdom of God. It actually says the twelve are with him, along with Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Susanna, and many others. And so there was a, a group of devout followers and disciples of Jesus as he's making his way through these towns and villages and these crowds. And so you have to remember, when you're reading this parable, he is talking to those who have been with him for quite some time. He's also talking to those who've never met him before. And it says in verse 4, a great crowd gathered from multiple towns, indicating that the audience who was about to hear this kingdom parable was very mixed, very diverse. It wasn't just one size fits all. There was a very diverse mix of people, especially spiritually, meaning that the audience was about to hear a parable that was very relatable to them. And I would argue that for everyone watching right now, that we've got a very diverse, mixed audience as well. In fact, we were just uh, looking at those where people are streaming from, and there's people streaming from India. There's people streaming from California. There's people streaming, of course, all over Texas and several other states. So right now, we are literally talking to a very diverse group, a very diverse crowd. So let's go back to the beginning of this parable in Luke 8, verse 5. It says, The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Now, Jesus later on explains the parable. If you haven't read this before, you're thinking, man, all this imagery, I wonder what this means. Well, Jesus is very kind not just to us, but to the crowds, or to his disciples back then. And he actually explained this parable to his disciples in verse 11 and 12. He said, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So it's clear the seed this isn't going to grow you a squash or tomatoes. It's, gonna, it's the gospel seed. The seed is the word of God. And so, but let's look at the soil for a moment, right? And so how does it become hard soil? Well, if you've ever been in a park or maybe somewhere around your house, I know we've lived in places where they've done this, they will come through and maybe kind of clear out some of the shrubs or the yopon and the bushes or some small trees and try to make a path, Right? But, um, but actually what they're doing is when they're clearing, the, the clearing is not making a path, right? The clearing just simply clears out the brush so that a path can develop. But how does a path develop? A path only becomes a path and a hardened path of that once a lot of people start walking on it, once a lot of critters start walking on it, once a lot of bicycles start mountain biking on it, right? That's when a path becomes hardened, which makes it very difficult 
for anything that was actually there beforehand to actually even grow. And so you, now you had this compact surface. But beneath the surface, what is happening, right? The soil is being compacted, and every step is more weight. Every bike tire is more weight, the weight of others, the weight of activity, the feeling of people walking over you. That's a hardened path. This is painful and can lead to bitterness, resentment, numbness, a defensive posture, and maybe this morning you feel like a hardened path. Some of maybe what you've done, but also maybe in large part to what others have done to you. And you know, I think we all can attest, it's really hard to get through to someone like this, isn't it? It's really hard to break in to someone's heart when they're so hardened, so hopeless, and when bitterness becomes the primary condition of your heart. And when this happens, people can insulate themselves and create a high outer wall. We hear that term used often, right, socially. They got a high outer wall, but once you get in, he's like a teddy bear, you know? Well, this high outer wall is what I would describe this hardened path as. And why do you have high outer walls? So that nobody can hurt you again. Now, there's a connection between hearing God's voice and hearing his word and the hardening of your heart. In fact, in Hebrews 3, 7 through 9, it says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. Referring back to the Israelites as they were uh, coming out of Egypt they went into the wilderness before they got to the promised land, and they had a rebellious heart and rebellious attitude. They actually hardened their hearts just after God had rescued them and redeemed them. They then wandered around in the wilderness. So we're saying, do not harden your hearts to his voice, to his word. You know, castles and fortresses, right? Especially as a, as a young boy, I love kind of pretending to be a knight or, you know, being the king of the castle and we play all sorts of games like that. And if you're a young lady, then you want to be a princess. Listen, I got three little girls, and you better believe they've got different pink, blue, and yellow little princess dresses, and they love to put them on and act like a princess. But in the, within the castle concept, where does a princess hang out? She doesn't hang out outside the outer walls. She hangs out in the safety behind the large walls, right? And so a castle, a fortress, is built high and strong and intimidating so that you can't get to the soft underbelly, so that you can't get to everything on the inside that's actually exposed and defenseless. So why do we form high outer walls? Because we don't really want someone to get to that. Because ultimately, you know what's going to happen if someone gets there, especially if God gets there. <laughs> it's going to mean changes. It's going to mean you got to let go of things. It's going to mean you're going to have to forgive. But a lot of us don't want to do that. And listen, I get it. When you're a hardened soil, when you feel like you've been run over and beaten down and pressed and thrown down and called worthless or whatever else, it's hard to feel like if you open up that someone's not going to take advantage of that. So instead of opening up, you might as well just stay in a protection mode. You know, on a practical note, I would say and acknowledge that physical and 
emotional and verbal abuse is real. And for some of us, you've experienced more than your fair share. And over time, it's shaped how you respond to the Word of God, to this gospel seed. You see it through the lens of cloudiness. And maybe it's even been darkened somewhat because of what happened to you. For some of us, you've been raised in a home, whether you're 50 years old right now or 20 or 15 watching this, you've been raised in a house to maybe where the Bible has been used as a weapon against you, where maybe people took scriptures out of context and they beat you over the head with it or they tried to condemn you or tell you all the things you didn't do wrong or maybe you had a list of the Ten Commandments above your bed when you woke up every morning and your mom and dad came in and said, look, you see where you're not perfect? You see where you're not missing it? Maybe there's an attitude, more or less a religious attitude saying, you've got to get it all right and there's zero tolerance, zero mercy, zero excuses and zero reasons for you not to do exactly what I say when I say to do it and if you mess up, we're going to catch you. Is that your home? Is that your life? I would argue if you were raised in a home like that where the Bible is used as a weapon against you, that you need to hear today that is not God's heart. That His ultimate desire is that you would know Him, come to know Him as a Father who loves you, not as a Father who beats you, not as a Father that neglects you, not as a father that pushes you aside and prefers to watch football instead of talking to you. That's not him. Our heavenly father is better than any dad on planet earth ever will be. And no matter how good your dad was or how horrible he was, he'll never come close to the father. Because our heavenly father is good and perfect and he loves you. But if you can't see that, you can't receive his seed. But what can be done? <laughs> you need the Lord to heal those hard places. And you need to know and to hear and believe that God is good and that his nature is good and that he is full of grace and truth. It's both and. It's not just the truth of God. It's the grace of God. He has love and mercy available. So maybe you need to receive his love and mercy today. Maybe you need to receive Jesus today. That could be you. And if you're watching right now, I just want to give you a moment. Maybe you need to open your heart up. And you said, I've had these castle walls built for a reason. And I get it. But you don't need to build up castle walls towards God. He wants you to take them down and let him in. And let him start healing your heart. So if that's you this morning, the Bible is really clear pretty simple. Um, if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, which includes your bitterness, your pain, your addictions, your hate, your anger. He can cleanse you of all of that. There's not a person on planet earth that can do that. Only Jesus can. So if you want to know Him, you can just pray with me right now. Jesus, I receive your cleansing of my sins. I need you to wash it all the way. I need you to take the bitterness, the hardness away. I don't want it anymore. I want to know you. I want to know that you're a good father and that you love me. And I want to follow you 
Teach me your ways. Show me how to live this life. And I believe that you died on the cross for my sins so you could wash them away. And I believe that you rose from the grave. You came back to life to prove that you truly are the Son of God. You have the power over not just sins, but over death itself. I trust you, Jesus. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, we're going to give you an opportunity at the end of the service just to text us and let us know, hey, I just prayed to start following Jesus. <laughs> I just prayed the hard soil would go away and I'd receive him. If that's you, we want you to text us later so we could connect with you. But I want to go on because it's not just the crowd of people that have been kind of run over, so to speak, but I believe Jesus is speaking to another crowd with this hardened path. See, there was religious leaders, and I'll describe the other group as utter worldly. You see, the religious leaders were self-righteous and had a strong desire to be in control and to be right, often known as the scribes and Pharisees. But then you had the utter worldly folks, I'll describe them as, which had given themselves completely to sinful living and a rejection of God's ways. And they seemed to be out of reach, so to speak, for the gospel. You know, over the years, I've had some, I'll call them interesting conversations with other pastors in our city. Some have gone quite well, and I'm good friends with them, and others have been interesting. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes you don't agree on things, or sometimes someone's a bit contentious, and you're not really sure why. But there's a religiosity with them that you kind of feel coming out that's maybe judgmental or critical and you know, there's just a hardness there. There's something that's happened there. And every time I walk away and I have a choice to make, will I walk away in bitterness and angry at that man or will I walk away and pray for them? And I recently had one of these interactions a couple weeks ago in a parking lot and um, so I was putting my groceries away and uh, I had to drive home and just say, Lord, I'm going to pray for him. Lord, I want to pray that his heart would be softened. I don't know what's going on. I don't pretend to know his life story and the pain. But he's religious for a reason. He wasn't just, didn't start that way. And so if you ever encounter someone like that, man, pray for them. Don't respond in anger. But pray that God would soften their hearts. But I just want to say that there's a few of those pastors I've had some of those odd interactions with over the years. And a few of them, I was just on a Zoom call last week for an hour prayer meeting. So just because it didn't go well once before doesn't mean that's the way it's always going to go. If you have hope and if you pray and believe in people, you never know how God's going to change their hearts. But honestly, all of us are susceptible to becoming prideful, aren't we? And arrogant, thinking that we know it already. That's really what the scribes and Pharisees were all about. They thought they knew it all. They had studied it all. They had religiously done everything just right. But Jesus was sharing this parable and in some ways acknowledging them and saying, if you would just repent from being prideful and arrogant and have a humble, teachable heart, then I can come in, in to that softened soil. You've also got this utter worldly crowd, right? And Paul describes them in his, in his letter to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous 
and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Wow, I do not want that said about me. (laughs) I hope you don't want that said about you. But if that is you, guess what? There's hope. You can repent, and you can turn, and you can say, I don't want a hard heart anymore. You see, it's when someone has totally embraced their sin nature and have decided to do whatever feels good to them, feels right to them, and advances their own self-interest. It's a me-centered lifestyle and a mindset that will ultimately lead to someone's destruction. The point is this. We must believe that even the hardest of hearts, even the grossest of addicts, the most stubborn minds, that the word, the word of God, the seed, can soften them. You know how I can believe that? Because the Bible says it. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Whoa! That is powerful. That is the most potent thing in the atmosphere, on planet Earth. The Word of God, to this day, as far as I'm aware, is the only thing that has been able to pierce through any person of any age, of any race, of any nationality, of any past, of any description, of any status, of any, 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 it can pierce through any of them. There's, in fact, not one type of person that's not been pierced through with the seed. So if you're watching, you're thinking, oh, no, man, you don't know me. I got, hey, you don't know my life. You're right, I don't know your life, but he does. And he devised the word to actually get to you. You can run from him, but you can't hide. Because the word of God is going forth. It is being sown right now, all over the world. You can't stop the sowing of the seed. But soil not prepared... (laughs) won't allow for the seeds to germinate and grow. So then what happens? The birds of the air will come and snatch it away. You see, the birds of the air, you want to know what those are? Those aren't just those annoying, you know what I'm talking about, those annoying black birds that hang out in the trees of the grocery stores and they poop on your car. I don't know if you've been around here a while. When I was a freshman in college, okay, I learned a, I learned a valuable lesson to never park under a tree at Texas A&M. Now, they may have dealt with that since then, but I remember my freshman year, literally, first week, I pull in after class, and I'm thinking, look at this great parking spot. And back in the day, we didn't have all these parking garages, okay? It was just like acres and acres of asphalt, and if you parked, you're on a 15-minute speed walk to get back to your dorm, okay? So there I go. I park, and I'm feeling pretty good about it. I got this great parking spot. You know, when you get a good parking spot, you don't want to move, right? You know what I'm talking about? You're thinking... I'm not, I'm not moving. I'm going to have friends pick me up and take me to Whataburger. I'm not driving because that is such a good spot. I don't know why we think that, but that's just the way it is. So there I go. I'm sitting there. A couple days later, I got to my car. It is covered in white. Okay? That 
I'm just, it's going to be gross for a second. That's just bird poop covering my car. And I don't mean like a couple of drops. The windshield, it's like someone literally took a bucket of paint and plastered my windshield. My car was already white. It was a white Camry. So it was like this, this, this white thing. It's just like, wow. I went to the car wash. I kid you not. I did the old school sprayer three times through to get that stuff off of my windshield. Okay? Now, listen. I tell you that because here's what I want you to think right now. The birds of the air are like that. Okay? They literally are not going to help you. They are going to cover you with all of that disgusting nastiness. And they're going to come and sweep in and take that seed. So who's the birds of the air? Ephesians 2 tells us he is the prince of the power of the air. He is the devil and the demonic forces. What Jesus is saying is that when that seed is cast, if your soil is not ready, those birds of the air will come in and devour that seed. These are not nice birds. These are devouring birds. These are evil in a sense. These are coming to destroy and to ravage. That's what the devil's here to do. He's here to snatch up anything good that comes your way, and he can if you're not ready to receive it. Because the truth is, if your soul's not ready, ready to receive the word of God, within one or two days, that seed will get snatched up. It doesn't last long. A bird will find it. So when you share the story of Jesus with someone or a Bible verse that has deeply convicted you and changed the way you live and you're sharing with a friend and you're expecting them to be like, oh man, me too, that's awesome. And you share this story and you've got all this excitement and they're like, hmm, you're thinking, what? did you not hear what I just said? They're like, well, that's cool for you, not for me. What? What? Hold on a second. Did you just hear about this life transforming scripture that I just hit me and you're like, Where's the, come on, man, I thought we were feeling something. And they're like, yeah, that doesn't do it for me. That's what it's like to share with someone that you love the words of life, the gospel, the truth, and it just lands on deaf ears. It's heartbreaking and frustrating and disappointing. But we're called to keep sowing, aren't we? We're called to sow broadly, not just to sow once. So when the birds come, and when in reality the demonic forces come and snatch up that good gospel seed, the person in that moment, verse 12 tells us in Luke 8, says, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. You see, not everyone is ready for the word of God, and that's a painful truth. You don't have to like it, it's just the way it is. But it does not mean they won't ever be ready, right? Just because they're not ready today does not mean they're not ready next month. So what's our job, church? Our job is to sow broadly, to keep sowing, to keep sowing. And the good news is that you'll never run out of seed. Did you know that? <laughs> it's actually limitless. There, there's, there, there's actually no product supply issues with the gospel seed. It is limitless. It is an excess. It is an abundance. It's ever available, ever being produced. Just think about farmers right now. Farmers don't plant crops just one time a year. They do two or three cycles of crops. 
They're sowing seed multiple times in a year. Just from that analogy alone, what if you were bold enough to sow the gospel seed on to those that you would perceive as hardened soil at least two or three times a year? You never know. You never know what storm had just come a few months prior and it changed the complexion of that soil. We might be in a storm right now. What if the storm we're in right now is changing and making that soil change right now? What if the storm we're in right now is not allowing for everyone to be walking over that person like they just were at their office because they can't go to their office? What if right now, because a child isn't at school, they're not getting the verbal abuse and being beat up or being shamed or being told something by a coach or teaching another kid? And what if at home it actually is a healthy, good environment? What if what they're getting right now was good stuff? And so what's now what's happening is the soil's being softened, the outer walls are coming down, and the seed is ready. Well, Tyler, I shared with them six weeks ago. A lot's changed in six weeks. So we're going to take a moment right now. We're going to pray right now. We're going to pray for someone by name right now because we believe that God is ready and waiting right now to plant these fresh seeds in people's hearts. So I want you to think of somebody that you would put in the hard soul category right now. I want you to pray for them. So we're going to pray for them right now. So Lord Jesus, I just ask for every person that's being prayed for by name, in Jesus' name, that you would soften the soil right now. You'd allow this gospel seed to go forth, and it would burrow in, and it would germinate, and it would spring forth. God, we're asking right now, in the name of Jesus, for every person that's a lost soul that we feel like that we've even written off as a lost cause to say, no, the gospel, the word, is able to penetrate. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It can, it can discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Lord, we pray for them right now. Would they be saved? Don't allow the birds to snatch up this good word today. Allow it to go in deep and to germinate and to produce 30, 60, 100-fold. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to shift gears here. We're going to talk about the seed that fell on the rock. In verse 6 of Luke chapter 8, And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Well, Jesus explains this seed in this parable later on in verse 13. And the one on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, they fall away. You remember when you got that college acceptance letter, right? And it was around May, April, May, somewhere for many of us. You got that acceptance letter, and you're thinking, oh man, I'm so excited. Let's say that you went to A&M. Oh, I'm so excited about getting to A&M. And, you know, high school was kind of difficult for you, but maybe not so much. And you kind of did the, like, late-night cramming thing to take your test, and everything went well. And so you're so excited. You got all this joy and enthusiasm going off to college, right? And then um, you get about around to early October, and those first exam grades come back, and you're thinking, uh-oh, what went wrong? What went wrong is that you're really excited about school but you didn't make the necessary changes in your study habits to make it in school. You see, a lot of us, we hear a good word. We hear, oh, man, that's exciting. Amen. That is good stuff. I am so inspired by that. But then nothing changes. You go to a parenting conference. Oh, they've got it all on parenting. Are you ready? Sure. And then Monday hits. I don't know what that conference is about, but it was good. And then nothing changes. You go to World Mandate. Oh, what an 
the nations. I'm so excited. Pray for them. That lasts for three days, and then you forget there are nations. I mean, this is us, church. We get so excited about so many things, and the follow-through, the difference between our excitement and the follow-through is a big gap there. There's a huge gap. We are so easily tickled and excited about things. The hard work is changing your study habits. For me, I made it to the blend team program. You know what that is? That's for people who didn't get into AM. They were close. And so I got into the blend team program. It was 2001. It was the guinea pig year. The first year they developed this blend team program. It essentially meant you go to blend most of the time, you go to AM some of the time. You can be a student at both places. So I was so excited. I was just thrilled to get there. And you better believe I changed a lot of things about what I did in high school to get my study habits going. But here's the deal. People that were given this opportunity, if you just had a 2.5 GPA and lasted for two years in the program, you'd be automatically admitted to A&M. Automatic admission. It was like a dream come true. Just work hard and you can be automatically admitted. After three months, after four months, the first semester, 30% of my peers out of 500 people dropped out. <laughs> Guys, you've been given opportunity for automatic admission. You're in this program to go to A&M. 30% just like that after four months couldn't make it. In many ways, that seems like the rocky soil. A lot of excitement, but not much follow through. See, that good news and that joy can be snatched up and wither pretty quickly if not acted upon. James 1.21 of the Amplified Version, I like how it says, it says, so get rid of all uncleanness and all that remains of wickedness and with a humble spirit receive the word of God, which is implanted, actually rooted in your heart, which is able to save your souls what saves your souls? Taking that word and literally implanting it, allowing it to germinate, allowing it to be embedded here, not on the surface. If it doesn't go to the heart, it ain't, you ain't going to make it. So how do you act upon this seed landing in this rocky soil? you got to have a humble spirit, and you receive the word of God. It's, it's in your posture. Do you see? It's in, here, it's in your posture of receiving it. And if you're a parent, you've definitely experienced this with children, right, at some point. So, like, you're explaining something to them. I don't know. Let's, let's just say you're talking to them about, um, in my house, how to make bread, all right? I like making bread. That's no secret. So let's say you're talking to one of your children, and you tell them you have to measure this amount and push this button on the scale and this much starter and this much water and this much salt. And, and if one of your children look at you and say, no, 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 Dad, I got it. I've seen you do it. I got it. I got it. Oh, that's not going to go well. Because if I let them do it, I know it's going to happen. They're going to put too much salt, too little water. Next thing you know, we're not going to have bread. We're going to have some sort of Play-Doh element that nobody wants to eat but to play with. Okay? Simply put, if they think they know better than dad, if they think that they know better than, which means they're not ready to receive any instruction or teaching, they're going to do it wrong. They're going to mess it up. It's not even going to be edible. So how many of us will be, have you ever experienced this? Or maybe you've been on the other end. You've been the kid in. Someone's explaining something to you, and you're like, no, 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 hey, I got it. I got it. Right? You've already formulated your response before listening to them. 
That's a classic marriage tip, by the way. Don't do that, husbands. Listen to your wives if you want to have a great marriage. You see, sometimes we get frustrated at our kids because it's like, just listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. I'm the adult here. You're the kid, right? But isn't that how God the Father feels with us? Just listen to me. I know you think you know how to do relationships well. I actually wrote an entire thing on it, and it's here. I know you think you know what to do with your money, but listen to me. I actually have a lot better ideas and wisdom about money. I know you think you know how to handle this and to do that, but listen to me. You have to know his word. If we are so presumptuous and arrogant to think that we don't need that teaching, and hold on here. For the young people listening, young, that means you're younger than me, okay? So I'm in the middle. I'm 37. I don't really know what you call that. I'm no longer young, but I'm not old. I'm just in this sweet spot, all right? <laughs> but if you are young, okay, listen to people older than you. They've actually lived some life that you could benefit from. I'm not saying they're perfect. I'm not saying your parents did it perfectly. But man, there is wisdom to glean from, from them. If you don't have a humble, teachable attitude with people, I guarantee you don't have it with God. Period. I can discern very quickly who has a humble, teachable heart towards the Lord because it shows up in your person-to-person interaction. Isn't that beautiful how God does that? He exposes you based on how you relate to people, which is why when Jesus said in Mark 12, hey, how are you going to sum up all the law and the prophets? You remember that lawyer guy asking that dumb question? He asked that question. What did Jesus say? He said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbors yourself. Oh my gosh, he summed up the entire Bible in a statement that includes us loving, listening, honoring him, and loving, listening, honoring them. That's Christianity. So if you're new today and you don't know anything about Christianity, that's it. You love God and you love others, and he gave us this entire book so that we can learn how to do that properly. Amen? Verse 13, Jesus explains this parable again. We're going to read it again. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while, so that's good. But in a time of testing, they fall away. See, it's when Jesus explains this parable, he says that in times of testing, they fall away. Now listen, every athlete knows you cannot get hydrated right before the game. Okay, I used to play soccer a lot. You cannot get hydrated, especially for a tournament where you play three games in a day. You cannot wake up at 7 a.m. and say, cool, I'm going to drink a bunch of water this morning. You're too late. That has to start days before. You hydrate your body before the day of. So when the day of the heat and the 100-degree temperatures come and you're exerting all this energy comes, you've got enough to pour out. But if you do not hydrate yourself, you cannot make it. Simply put, the seed amongst the soil that does not have the proper roots and proper moisture is not able to make it when the sun-scorching temperatures come. Those are the trials. Those are the testing. You see, without trials and testing, that guy's doing pretty good. But the trials and testing will come to all of us. And what happens then? You can't make it because you don't have enough moisture. Now, this last week, I did a little bit of research. I figured I might as well do some online learning these days. And I learned about a word, transpiration. Not perspiration, transpiration, all right? 
It's the evaporation of water through the leaves of a plant, which cools the plant and runs the whole system. The vacuum created, uh, created as vapor escapes, pulls water up through the plant tissues, distributing all the nutrients. And while the water pressure keeps the green parts of the plant firm and upright, water also is necessary for photosynthesis, which creates the sugars that are the plant's energy source. You can say, thank you, I just helped you out with your little vegetable garden, all right? That's why it's not making it. Water, water, and more water. Water is essential for a plant to grow, which is why Jesus, when he says there wasn't enough moisture to get in there, because guess what? The number one defense mechanism plants have against the heat, the testing, the trials, is the moisture. It's the water. It's the nourishing. That's why the Bible says, out of you will flow living waters. The Spirit of God is described as living water. If he's not flowing out of you, you're not going to be able to make it. But have you ever noticed that how plants and people can look very similar in their own right until the heat's turned up? Right? You get a bunch of plants, but these plants are looking good. But when those temperatures rise and that sun comes out, you soon realize which ones are watered and which aren't. People are the same way, y'all. We're living in a testing time right now. The heat's being turned up. Things are being changed. Are you watered? Is there enough moisture in there to keep you upright? Enough moisture in there to distribute the nutrients to your soul, mentally, emotionally? Whether we like it or not, we're all experiencing those trials right now, and we're being tested to see if our roots are going deep. You're not used to being with your kids every day. I'm not. It's exposing some things in your heart, maybe, in your parenting, your household. Maybe right now you realize how much you really did depend upon people, upon the community, upon the work environments, the campus organizations to keep you afloat. Maybe right now you thought that you really knew how to water yourself spiritually and that your relationship with God was really solid, but right now your time alone with God is waning. Your motivation to be in discipleship and accountability has maybe lost some steam. And you find yourself wanting to be entertained instead of wanting to grow. See, there's not only a watering issue at play for this rocky soil. There's an issue with the ability of the soil to absorb water at all. Listen, <laughs> if there are rocky places in your heart, stones that existed for a while, or even recently, that are maybe taking up the necessary space that that soil needs, that those roots need, then you got to deal with them. Because last I checked, rocks don't absorb the water. Soil does. The more rocks you've got in your life, the less space there is for the water and the roots. Which means God's inviting us in this morning to look and expose those rocks. As I invite the band up, I... Just want us to posture our hearts right now in a moment to respond. Because truly, you've got to be willing to ask the question, Lord, am, is, am I a hard soil state right now? Am I a little bitter, a little frustrated? Maybe real frustrated, I don't know, but what's the state of your soul right now? I believe God today is taking us into this, this word of the Lord in Luke 8 to really assess us. It's how are we cultivating our soil? What is the state of our soil? And we've got to be honest with him.
and with others. So wherever you're at right now, if you're with roommates or family, I would encourage you just to get in a position where you can respond to the Lord here just for a moment because you have a unique opportunity right now to say, hey, honestly, my soil is hard or my soil is rocky. They're hardened soil. Simply, you just need to have the Lord come and soften it, which means it may just be you saying, God, I'm inviting you in again. Break down the walls, pierce through the bitterness and the pain. He can do that. So for you, if you're hardened soul, you just need to invite him in. He'll do the work. But if you're the rocky soil, I think you need to ask the Lord the question, where are the rocks? <laughs> what are the things I've given myself to? What are the things that have been existing a long time that honestly are this pain in my side? keep taking up space in my mind that I need to let go of, that I need to remove. Let me just say, removing rocks is hard work, but it's necessary. So if you're here this morning, I just want to invite you to take a moment as we worship, just respond. Respond to the Lord. Ask Him, Lord, is the soul hard or is it rocky? And ask Him to expose what needs to be done so that we can move towards being that kind of rich soil ready to receive all that God has for us.